Please take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. First Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. <clears throat> Hear the word of God, First Corinthians 16, verses 13 and 14. Be on the alert, stand firm in the faith. Act like men, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. So far in my series entitled, A Call for Men to Be Godly, I've called men from the Scriptures to be sexually pure, spiritually industrious, sober and sober-minded, spirit-filled, and loving men and loving husbands. This morning, men, I'm calling us to be strong men. You will recall in my sermon entitled Loving Men that I determined to call men to be loving men and loving husbands in order that we as men might not interpret strength and masculinity as the absence of love. People wrongly think that being masculine means to be hard and impenetrable without proper affection, but As we saw, to be strong does not mean a man is to be insensitive, unaffectionate, uncaring, or unloving. Men were not created by God or called by God to be unmoved, unaffected, and unfeeling. We're called to be passionate about what is good, what is godly, what is holy. And in this sense, we're to have, as I've said before, deep feelings Deep emotion directed and shaped by the Word of God. We're to have holy emotions and holy affections. In fact, acting like men, being alert, standing firm on truth, and being strong all flow from and are inextricably bound to love for God, love for the Savior, love for the truth, love for the church, love for one's wife, love for one's children, and love for the lost. And so repeating what I've reiterated several times before, we're to be strong and sympathetic. We're to be tough in the biblical sense and tender. We're to be firm and kind-hearted. We're to be men of deep conviction and men of heartfelt compassion because we see both in our Lord Jesus Christ who is the model and perfect example of these things. So let's turn our attention this morning to the call to be strong men. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 13 says, Be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Now in this call to be strong men this morning, I'm not referring to physical strength and neither is this verse. This will not be a sermon to encourage you men to get in the gym and work out that you might gain more muscle mass. I'm calling men to spiritual strength and fortitude. To be strong in faith. Men of truth. Men of the word. Men of the scriptures. Men who stand firm on the truth and do not retreat. Defenders of the faith. Proclaimers of the truth. 
Men of conviction, not compromise. Men of courage, not cowardly. Men who are watchful, not slothful. Bold, not timid. Men who are resolute and firm, not aimless and vacillating. Men who are driven by truth, not the lust of the flesh. Men who are brave and valiant, not feeble and faint-hearted. Men who are God-pleasers, not men-pleasers. Men of strength and not weakness. It is a call this morning for men to be characterized by what is described in this verse. Be on the alert. Be watchful. Be vigilant. Stand firm in the faith. Believe the truth. Defend the truth. Proclaim the truth. Act like men. Be brave and courageous in this endeavor. Be strong, and be strong in the Lord. As the Apostle Paul nears the end of his letter to the church at Corinth, he stirs up the church by way of exhortation and commands. The Apostle here gives the church four imperatives, four commands in verse 13. Now, these qualities must characterize the whole church, male and female, together as one body. This is what is to characterize the church. While these things should characterize the whole church, these are qualities that we associate with men particularly. Because as I've said, if the church is going to thrive in this present evil age, if the church is to withstand the attacks of the adversary, if the church is to stand with the onslaught of the world and all its lust of the flesh and lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life and all that is pressing upon us from the world, if the gospel is to be preached to the uttermost parts of the world, if disciples are to be made among the nations, if we're to walk holy and hold fast to the truth, then we must be on the alert. We must stand firm in the faith. We must act like men. And be strong. For much of the problem with the church of Jesus Christ today is that men are not characterized by these things. Men are not setting this example. And as a result, the church often is weak, susceptible to false teachers and false doctrines. The church's doors are open to doctrines of demons, and many have been taken captive. Men are called to be leaders who are alert, standing firm in faith, courageous and strong. Husbands, as we've seen, are to be leaders in the home, loving leaders. Fathers are called out by Scripture to bring up their children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Pastors are to lead by example. Men are called upon to lead in prayer in the church. Men are to be protectors and defenders of the faith. And so while the whole church is to be characterized by what is described in this verse, men, this morning I'm calling you in particular to lead in this way. For do we really expect others to take up these things when men do not? When a nation is attacked and goes to war, if men cower and hide, then the nation is lost. 
When there's a need for protection in the home, we all know that it's wrong for a man to cower and run and depend upon his wife and children to defend the home. So do we really expect a spiritually strong church without spiritually strong men? For as men in the church go, so goes the church. So rise up, men, saved by grace and called by God to lead, to defend, and protect. Rise up, men, and awaken, men. Be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Now here we have four pithy imperatives. And the the pithy and rapid nature of the commands get our attention. It demonstrates urgency. And so often in my preaching, I attempt to have somewhat of an urgency when the scriptures necessitate that. And so I hope you hear that in my voice this morning. We gathered around the table of the Lord last Lord's Day evening. And we considered John 13 verse 1. And Jesus' love for his own. Hopefully you heard in my tone and in my words. Even in reading those verses that how Jesus chose them out of the world and how he loved them to the end. There's a, there's a way in which you preach that as you contemplate the love of Jesus Christ for his own as he keeps them and protects them and loves them to the very end. But here we have words that are meant to be read as a call to arms. Four pithy imperatives that demonstrate urgency. These commands are like orders from a general to an army in combat. Paul calls this church to awaken. He calls the church to arms, for there is a spiritual battle to be fought. And the need is for the church to act like men. The church is to be done with sin and strife. That characterized the church at Corinth. It was filled with all kinds of sin and sexual immorality and strife and division. And Paul is saying, there's a battle that's taking place. Be done with those things. We're to align ourselves under King Jesus with unity, standing firm in the faith. And so what we have here is an urgent call, the apostle. A call to maturity. Be a man. Don't be a child. It's a call to strength and courage. Act like men. Men of vigilance, courage, boldness, and strength. It is a call to be watchmen. To be soldiers. To be ready for the assaults of the enemy. And to not give ground. It's a call to not retreat. But to stand firm and be strong. There are lions. There are wolves. There are deceivers. There are Goliaths who would do the church harm. And so Paul is saying, rise up, don't shrink back, don't tremble, don't retreat, don't cringe, don't cower, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. These four commands are pithy and they're in rapid succession. Grammatically, they're in the present tense. And that means that these things are to be true continuously. They are to continuously characterize the church. 
As one commentator wrote, Paul is not speaking of momentary attitudes, but continuing state states. Always be on the alert. Always stand firm in the faith. Always act like men. Always be strong and do so continuously. You can't be this sometimes, for the danger is ever-present and requires an ever-present strength. Now let's look at these four commands. Again, a call for the whole church together as the body of Christ to be these things. This morning with a particular focus on application toward men who are to lead. First in these commands is this, be on the alert. Gregoreo, sound familiar? From which the name Gregory comes from. It means to be watchful, to be vigilant, to stay awake, to be sober-minded, to be sharp, to be alert. This is the word used in the Bible in reference to being watchful and alert for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 42, Therefore be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the apostle describes this judgment of God, this day of the Lord that will come. And he says that we are not of the night nor darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. This word is used of alertness in prayer. In Matthew 26, verse 41, Jesus said, Keep watching and praying. Keep alert and keep praying that you may not enter into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So in calling his disciples at a time of testing to be careful and beware of danger, he says, keep watching, be alert, be vigilant. In Colossians 4, verse 2, it says, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it. So it's used of alertness in prayer. It's used in general of the necessity of alertness in the face of spiritual danger. In Acts chapter 20, verses 28 to 31, Paul, the apostle, is speaking to the elders at Ephesus. And he says, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. And he warns them, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. For from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, here's the word, be on the alert. Be vigilant. One of the biggest dangers we face in the Christian life is being spiritually lazy and aimless. Paul is saying to the church, don't be lulled to sleep. Don't don't just float through life. This is why I preach the sermon entitled Spiritually Industrious Men who are making the most of their time, understanding the days are evil. We're to be about spiritual industry. That's why I preached prior to this sober men, literally sober 
not drunkards, but also sober-minded men. Our minds, our thinking, our lives must be sharp and ready and alert. A person who's not spiritually sober-minded, who's not alert, will be caught off guard. He'll find himself tossed here or there by every wind of doctrine. He'll find himself being pressed into the world's mold and deceived by the schemes of the devil. And so there's no place for spiritual drowsiness. The church is not to be lazy or sleepy, but must be on the alert. Now this is written by the Apostle Paul, but hold your finger there and turn over to 1 Peter chapter 5 and listen to a similar exhortation from the Apostle Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. First Peter 5, verses 8 and 9, the Apostle Peter, in similar fashion, gives two quick commands. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Two very quick consecutive commands. Be sober. Be alert. There are no connected particles here grammatically. There's an urgency to it. It's like we would say to someone, run, hide, or Stop, duck, when there's an urgency to something. He says, be sober, be alert. And again, this pithy nature of these two commands here calls for immediate action to be taken. Be sober. Be clear-headed. Be self-controlled. Be alert. The same word that the Apostle Paul uses. And he says so in this context, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. You, when there's a roaring lion in your neighborhood, you don't walk around casually with your eyes dim. No, you look around carefully or you keep something to protect yourself in your hand. You know there's danger. But notice what he says in verse 9, but resist him, how? Firm in your faith. That's what the Apostle Paul says, be strong, but he says stand firm in the faith. The way in which you resist him is by being firm in faith, being firm in the truth. And so Peter here is calling the church to be watchful, to be watchmen. There's not a time to relax in this regard. Now, back to 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13. Be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Again, he's he's calling them to be spiritually stable and steadfast, to not be moved, to be resolute and firm. And there's a need to be watchful in that, to be careful And so how watchful are you in the Christian life? This week, how often were you easily led astray because you weren't being spiritually vigilant? Here the call is to be alert. The second command is to stand firm. Stand firm in the faith. Again, this is a military term. It's used of soldiers who were standing firm in the midst of a battle. And the implication here, to stand firm, you have to be alert. And you have to be faithful in the battle. 
You're not double-minded. You're not swaying back and forth. No, you're standing firm. You, you have to be loyal. You have to be devoted and trustworthy, unwavering in dedication in order to stand firm. You're resolute, fixed, and firm. And it's as though the Apostle Paul is saying, be watchful because there's danger in this spiritual battle that's taking place. And as you do so, stand firm in the trenches, so to speak. How do I stand firm in the trenches? Well, you have to do so in the faith. Here, the faith, the definite article is important because what the Apostle Paul is pointing out is that we're to stand firm in the content of what God has deposited to us. The truth of the scriptures, the content of sound doctrine given to us in the sacred scriptures. Here is a picture of a church that stands firm, steadfast, and immovable in the truth that God has given in his word. Men, we're to be men of sound doctrine. We're not to give an inch to false teaching. We're to stand firm in the faith. Once you lose a little ground, once you give way a little concession to a little heterodoxy, to a little false teaching, once you're open-minded to a little amount of error, you've lost the battle. The enemy desires to have a little error sprinkled here and there. But listen, he's not satisfied with that. He will have you ultimately sacrifice all truth to abandon the whole. But the the enemy can't usually get someone to sacrifice all truth at once. So he chips away at doctrines that to the undiscerning person may not seem to have serious consequence, but it does. He says, stand firm in the faith. Not in part of it, but all of it. For there is a unity to the faith. See, this is something we need to understand. We live in a day, again, in which the tent is pitched very broadly. And many come under the tent called Christian and church and even believer. But I'm afraid that in that tent called the faith are all kinds of false doctrines. There's a unity to the faith. All of what God has given to us. There's only one faith. There is a coherence and a unity to all the truth of the Bible. And once there is slight compromise in one seemingly little truth, the rest of truth begins to fall like dominoes. Oh, that the church, the men of the church, would be men of the word, standing firm on the truth of God's word. For the spirit of the age in the church is really like the Athenians in Acts 17, verse 1. You remember what it said about the Athenians? Now all the Athenians and strangers visiting there were used to spending time in nothing other than telling or hearing something new. The church today is like that. Well, what's this teaching over here? What's this teaching over here? Something new. Let's hear something new. Let's hear something that may appear to be new to us, but the reality is there's nothing new. There's the same old heresies keep replacing the old ones, repackaged a little differently with different names, slightly different slants. The nose looks a little different. 
But it's the same old heresy. Men, know the faith. The content of what God has deposited to us. And stand firm in it. Jude says, I'm calling you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all handed down to the saints. Stand firm in the faith. It's interesting that when people do that today, it's seen as being unloving and unkind. Again, Today, it's how, what, what can be the least common denominator in doctrine that holds us together? We're not looking for the least common denominator. We're looking for the content of the faith to be upheld. Charles Spurgeon, in his day, would stand firm on truths, and it would cost him very much. He would be persecuted by those he thought held to the faith when there was the downgrade controversy He was persecuted and maligned for standing for the truth. Even in his day, there were those who were letting a little false doctrine begin to to spread. In a sermon in 1988, he said this, We admire a man who was firm in the faith, say, 400 years ago, but such a man today is a nuisance. It must be put down. Call him a narrow-minded bigot or give him a worse name if you can think of one. Yet imagine that those, imagine that in those past ages, Luther, Zwingli, Calvin, and their contemporaries, what if they had said the world is out of order, but we, if we try to set it right, we shall be, we shall only make a great row, that is a great fight and dispute and get ourselves into disgrace. Let us go to our chambers, put on our nightcaps, and sleep over the bad times. And perhaps when we wake, things will have grown better. Spurgeon says such conduct on their part would have entailed upon us a heritage of error. Age after age would have gone down into the infernal infernal deeps. And the pestiferous bogs of error would have swallowed all. These men love the faith in the name of Jesus too well to see them trampled on. He went on to say, It it is today as it was in the Reformers' days. Decision is needed. Here is the day for the man, but where is the man for the day? We who have had the gospel passed to us by martyrs' hands dare not trifle with it, nor sit by and hear it denied by traitors who pretend to love it, but inwardly abhor every line of it. Look, you sirs, there are ages yet to come. If the Lord does not speedily appear, there will come another generation and another, and all these generations will be tainted and injured if we are not faithful to God and to his truth today. Listen to what Spurgeon says in his day. We have come to a turning point in the road. If we turn to the right, meaning that which is correct, perhaps our children and our children's children will go that way. But if we turn to the left, generations yet unborn will curse our names for having been unfaithful to God and to his word. 
This is the heart we have to have as a church and as men. There is truth to be preserved, to be defended. We must stand firm in the faith, for there are attacks upon the faith, and we're to be strong. We're not to cower, men. We're not to cower, church. We're not to be those who say, well, we don't want to cause a row or a row. I believe it's pronounced. We don't want a, a disagreement. We don't want a dispute. Let's just put on our nightcaps. Let's sleep it through and see what happens. Now, the Apostle Paul says, stand firm in the faith. Don't give way in any of God's truth. And then he says, act like men. Andrizomai is the Greek word. It comes from the Greek word for man, aner or andros. Now some have tried to, you can imagine today with the way people think about verses and trying to make it gender neutral, have tried to change this for the wrong reasons. Well, act like men. Now, again, this word could, it in fact does mean, when it says act like men, it has the idea of being courageous or brave, and therefore it's translated that way in other places, especially in the Septuagint. But it uses the word for man in it because this is to be characteristic of men. God has called us and made us this way. We're not to be cowards. We're to be courageous. We're to be brave. If someone says, be a man, what do you think about? You should think about courage, bravery, and strength. Unfortunately, today, that's not what people think about. Act like men. Again, this Greek word is used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament in verses like this. Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. It's what Moses said to the people of God before they entered the promised land. Be strong and, here's the word, courageous. And then he said, do not be afraid or tremble. And again, in the next verse, Deuteronomy 31, verse 7, be strong and courageous. You see how they go hand in hand. To be strong is to be like a man. God has created men to be men of strength and courage. When Joshua was about to lead the people of God into the promised land, in Joshua chapter 1, verse 6, God said, be strong and, here's the word, courageous. And he repeats it over and over again. Only be strong and courageous. And how are they to do so? By not letting this book of the law depart from them. They're to stand firm in the truth that God had given to them. And so God said in Joshua 1 verse 9, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. So to act like a man, as God has created men to be, is to be a man of courage. Not overcome by fear. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Remember, Paul had to encourage Timothy, who was being timid and fearful, in his letter, 2 Timothy. Evidently, Timothy was struggling and wrestling with fear. Maybe when he saw Paul, who was arrested for his faith and about to stand trial and ultimately would die for the sake of the faith. Maybe Timothy is wavering and waffling and he needed to be stirred up to be courageous. 
to be bold. And so in 2 Timothy 1, verse 7, the Apostle Paul reminds him, God has not given us a spirit of timidity or fear or cowardice. No, he's given us a spirit of power, strength, and love. They're not contradictory. It's it's love for God that grants this strength and of discipline, self-control. Again, sober, alert, self-controlled. We're to act like men. We're not to be cowardly, but courageous and brave. And then the Apostle Paul in the fourth imperative just says, be strong. It's, it's as though it's the capstone to the whole thing. When you're watchful and you're standing firm in the faith and you're acting like men of courage and bravery and not fear, then he caps it off by simply saying, be strong. And he's referring to spiritual strength. This is what we need. Man, this is what God has called us to be. And to set the example that then we as a whole church, the body of believers, would be strong. Now some of you are familiar with, if you're into sports, you're familiar with locker room pep talks. In which a coach, or sometimes another player, but usually the coach will... Just before the game, maybe a football game, they they try to rally the team to strengthen them, to to give them courage to go out and and play as hard as they can play and to win the game. And maybe you've heard some of those. If you were to search for famous locker room pep talks, you'd come up with all kinds. And usually they're focused on the person and their ability or the team and their ability. It's usually something today regarding... Believe in yourself, or you can do it. Or what we used to call getting sight. I, I looked it up and watched one recently where the, the theme was, what are you? And they would all say, I am a champion. <laughs> and so they get all lathered up and excited, and they run out, and you see them run out to the football field, and they're jumping on each other, and there's someone in the middle doing this with his arms and yelling at them and getting them excited That's not what the Apostle Paul is doing here. This is a God-inspired call to what the church is to be. But it's not you can do it. It's no, you can't. (laughs) You're weak and you're frail. For the Apostle Paul would then write later in chapter 16, verse 23, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. He told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 verse 1, Be strong, but be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. In Philippians 4 1, Stand firm, but stand firm in the Lord. In Ephesians 6 verse 10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. This would be the pep talk. Christians, you're weak. You're frail. You're human. You have remaining corruption. And you can't do this. The call is too great for your strength. So you need to recognize your inability. Recognize your weakness. Confess your dependence upon Christ. And cling to your need for the grace of God. So this isn't some sort of locker room pep talk to just do this. Let's let's be on the alert. And let's stand firm and be strong and act like men. 
No, it all surrounds the truth of the gospel that we need grace to do this. And God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And that grace, again, is a grace that gives you power to do this. The Apostle Paul knew this when he wrote in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 and 10, in reference to this thorn in the flesh and his prayer for it to be taken away, God said to him, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. And so the Apostle Paul said, Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I'm well content with weaknesses, with insults, distresses, persecutions, difficulties, for Christ's sake. And then he says this, For when I am weak, when I acknowledge that I cannot do this, then I'm strong. See, the Apostle Peter knew this too. He doesn't write for us to be firm in faith and resist the adversary in our own strength. He knew that he had denied Christ and that Satan had asked permission to sift him like wheat. And but for the grace of God, he could not have stood. He could not have repented and returned. So men in church, this isn't a call for us to just by our own power, our own strength to do these things, but instead to recognize our inability and depend on Christ and to cling to our need for the grace of God. For by the grace of God, we are enabled and empowered to do these things. And even a weak church, weighed down by various sins and strife, if they would humble themselves and turn to Christ, they could indeed be alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, and be strong. Now let me just apply some of this to you men. As we conclude, we see the exhortation, we see the content. It's exactly what the church needed to hear then. It's exactly what we need to hear. It's exactly what the church universal needs to hear. But let me apply this specifically to us as men this morning. First of all, men, apply this to yourself and your own life and soul first. Be on the alert yourself for your own soul. Make sure you're standing firm in the faith. Guard yourself from from sinful lusts that would weaken you. Don't make friends with the enemy. Don't make friends with sin. Make sure you're applying this to your own life first and foremost. And men, make sure that you're being God-pleasers and not man-pleasers. This kind of spiritual strength and fortitude will not take place if you're really trying to please men. The Apostle Paul knew this. He was persecuted for the truth. It was a hard road to, to live this kind of of life before God, but he knew he had to please God rather than men. And one of the, the great falls that we all experience at times is that we're, we're concerned more of what man thinks than what God thinks. We're more concerned with pleasing man than pleasing God. And we need to in our own lives to make sure we apply this to our own lives. Men, are you being watchful for your own soul? Or are you spiritually sleepy? and apathetic and lethargic. 
Do you know the truth yourself so you can stand firm in it? Is this book, often in this series, I've called us to be men of the word. Are you men of the word of God? Do you know the truth? Do you spend time studying it and believing it and acting upon it? Are you men of courage or do you cower in the face of opposition? Do you cower in the face of the adversary when tempted? Strive by the grace of God, acknowledging your weakness to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. But secondly, men, as you watch over your own souls, watch over your families. Just call you men to be protectors and defenders. To be strong is to be a protector. Be watchful and vigilant over the souls of your family members, men. Protect them, teach them, instruct them, correct them when necessary. Plead with them from the truth of God's word. And sometimes this is where the people pleasing comes in. Sometimes we're more concerned with what our children think about us than what God does. We're more concerned with pleasing our children. We have a hard time correcting our children, disciplining our children, because we want our children to, to think a certain way about us. And we're concerned that we'll get their displeasure by obeying God's word and the use of the rod and discipline. Men, if you're not consistently bringing up your children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, willing to rebuke and correct them, then how are you going to snatch them from the flames of hell? in the jaws of the enemy? How are you going to talk to them about the danger for their soul? If the adversary in the world is to take our children, men, let it be over our dead bodies. Don't be willingly offering them up. Now be men. Be watchful over the souls of your children. And teach them the content of sound doctrine. Be courageous, men, and be strong. Don't stand back and do nothing. But be these protectors and defenders in the lives of your family, your wife, and your children. Again, Charles Spurgeon, you're familiar with this quote in regard to evangelism. Spurgeon said, if sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions. And let not one go unwarned or unprayed for. What Spurgeon is calling for is men of strength and a church is strong that believes the gospel, standing firm on the truth and understands that there is no way of salvation apart from believing the gospel. And so be strong and go and preach it and proclaim it to those who are rejecting it, even if it means persecution. And he stirs us up. Well, apply this to your children and your family. And this is tied to the first 
application. Apply it first to your own life. Often it is men that we don't do these things within the lives of our family members because we're not doing this in our own lives and we don't have the moral authority, therefore, to do it in their lives. It's because of hypocrisy. And that's why we have to apply this to our own lives first so then we can, before God and with integrity, be protectors and vigilant and watch over the souls of our children and our family members. The third, men, do this for the sake of Christ and His church. Apply it to yourself and apply this in your homes. Be alert and stand firm in the faith and act like men and be strong. That's what God has called you to be in the home, but also in the church. Lead by example. The church is the pillar and support of the truth. And for the church to be strong, the church needs men who are strong, men who are vigilant, men who are courageous in these things. And so let us pray together for us men and encourage one another in this way. Men, yes, this is what the church is to be, but but we are to lead the way. Be spiritually alert, vigilant, watchmen, and stand firm in the faith. Believe it and know it and act upon it. Be courageous. Do not be afraid of persecution. And be strong in the strength of his might. Listen to the words of Scripture. Do this knowing the time, that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep, for now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone, the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Therefore, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God, so that you will be able to resist in the evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. Men, church, be on the alert. Stand firm in the Lord. Act like men and be strong. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Father, I pray for us as men that your word, the Holy Spirit uses us. Lord, we stir up our hearts and we confess to you that we are weak men. That in ourselves we are unable to do what you have called us to do. For we are sinners. And although we are redeemed sinners, we acknowledge we have this remaining corruption. We are prone to wander. We are prone to be spiritually lazy. 
But Father, by the strength that you provide through the Lord Jesus Christ, by your grace, as we humble ourselves before you, Lord, you will strengthen us. You will give us vigilance. You will give us the grace to stand firm in the faith. Father, thank you for the faith. Thank you for the scriptures. May we be men of the word. Lord, may we be men by your grace that are courageous and brave, that act like men, that you have created a man to be strong. Lord, give us grace and empower us to do these things. For souls are at stake. Your name is at stake. The church is at stake. So, Father, I pray that we as men would be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And, Lord, as we do this as men, Lord, strengthen this body of believers. May we protect this church. May we defend the truth in this church. May we be proclaimers of the gospel. May we be strong men in the strength that you provide. And we pray these things for your name's sake. Amen.